1: All right. You ready to go? Come on. And and you're going to pull on me so I don't, uh, whatever's left in my throat, you're going to help me. Come on. This is, this will be my 18th time speaking in about 21 days and I got another nine to go before a couple days off. So you're going to help me out. You're going to pull it out of me today. You ready to go? All right. All right. What's that? Because you, you can't say that. Are people, are we being recorded right now? Because then you're going to get me in trouble with people. (laughs) You are my favorite. Okay, all right, there you go. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Come on. John chapter five. That's not a Hillsong worship song, by the way. John chapter five. It's on the right-hand side of the Bible. We use the Bible because it's God's word, and we don't want good thoughts. We want God thoughts. The quality of your life is the quality of your thinking. Unsuccessful people think in terms of survival. Average people think in terms of maintenance, but successful people they think in terms of progress and growth. How many know your life was created to go forward? An abundant life, the way God sees it, is a lot of the life that just satisfies you. It's a life that stretches you. You weren't put on this planet to be regular and normal, and usually you don't discover what you're made of until you're challenged. That's when God doesn't just comfort you, but he challenges you. Because your potential never takes shape. Your faith, we could say, never takes shape until you're challenged. You discover what God can do in you and what not just for you, but through you. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that there was all these people that had all kinds of backgrounds. Shady, dysfunctional. You know, it reminds me so much of my family members. Come on. (laughs) Like critical attitudes, funky attitudes. They had lust. They had addictions. They had scenarios in their life. They had things that they weren't too proud of. And yet God, through faith, it says, made their weaknesses become strong. Their faith in God took them from weakness to strength. Someone say, my faith in God is taking my weaknesses and making me strong. And they gained what's promised. And so what I love is when you open your, your life to the word of God, it has so much ability to build you and frame you and change you. Somebody asked me, how did you get so much miracles in your mind where you're shocked if they don't work, when it doesn't happen? And it is because I had a really good guy at a young age. He said to me, don't go try to study all the rules of the Bible. Go read all the miracles and read them out loud. Every day, put a miracle in your system. Because what happens is the Bible says that God was only limited when they did not think in terms of his miracles, Psalm 78. They spent their days fruitless and afraid and intimidated by the world around them when they did not have miracles of the Lord inside of them. I know most churches that gather today, and I honor it, I've been speaking for 25 years, 48 countries, this is what I do for a living. Most of them will talk about all the different things and rules and standards, and that's all wonderful. Don't deter it. But if you lack a miracle mentality, your life is always about what God's gonna do one day rather than what you're expecting God to do today. And God meets you at the level of your expectation not your need the power of the lord was present to heal all the religious people in luke chapter 5 and not one of those guys got healed but somebody broke through a freaking roof and that guy walked away healed well the power was there to heal everyone only one walked away different what was the the power wasn't different it was people's expectation that was different some came with a critical spirit somebody else came with a courageous spirit Does this help a little bit? This is a good little thing. I haven't even got my speech, but all right. John chapter five. Here we go. Let's go. Title of my speech real quickly, and I'm going to pray for people, is the title of my speech is Step Out of Stuck. Someone say, Step Out of Stuck. It comes from the U2 song. You got to get yourself together. Girl, you got stuck in a moment, and you can't get out of it. Don't say that later will be better. You got stuck in a moment. And you can't get out of it. That reminds me of a lot of people's lives. They got stuck in a moment of sin, a moment of defeat, a moment of divorce, a moment of a debt, a moment of COVID, come on. A moment of an old success. And you can't get out of it. And God's plan is that you go forward and you become a forward person, but you're stuck on backward thoughts. And God's plan today is to rearrange your mind so he can rearrange things in your life. Because as you change the way you think, you change what God's able to do. The Bible says, do not be conformed to the world. Be transformed. Someone say, be transformed. Someone say, that can happen. That means you can slip out of one form into another form. Come on, somebody. Like a transformer. And you can prove God's good plan. John chapter 5. Later on, there was a Jewish festival, a feast. Someone say, celebration. For which Jesus and his homies went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem a pool that's called by the sheep gate. That's kind of funny. The pool in the Hebrew language is called Bethesda, having five doorways. In these lay a great number of sick people. Some are blind, some are crippled, some are paralyzed, some are waiting. And they're all waiting for the bubbling up of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at appointed seasons into a pool, and he stirred and moved the waters. And whoever first stepped in after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they were afflicted. There was a certain dude there who had suffered with a deep-seated, lingering disorder for 38 years. Someone say a really long time. Good going. And Jesus noticed him lying there helpless and said to him, Do you really want to become well? In other words, are you earnest about getting well? Verse 7. And the invalid said, Sir, I got no man when that water's moving to put me into the pool. But somebody else jumps in ahead of me. Then Jesus said, Get up, pick up your bed, and walk. Immediately the man became well, and he recovered strength. Someone say, I'm recovering strength. And he took up his bed that he was sleeping on and he walked and that day was the Sabbath. It's interesting that it says that it was a time of celebration. There was a, they were going up to a festival. And I love that about Jesus. If you look in the scriptures, Jesus was very event oriented. He loved to be a part of a party. He was very visible when there was celebration. There's no way you can hang out with the living God And not get excited and passionate about your life and not want to celebrate things. You cannot spin atmosphere. You can read the Bible, but without the Holy Spirit and not catch the spirit of who God is. But when you get around God, you want to celebrate things. Jesus would celebrate at Matthew's house, a tax collector, despised by everybody else. But Jesus showed up at the party. Come on. A guy that climbed up a tree because he was so desperate to see Jesus by the name of Zacchaeus. Let's go to your house. Let's throw a freaking party. Come on. Let's go to Lazarus's house for like Thanksgiving back in the day. Come on. Let's throw a party. Jesus was always focused on celebrating. While there's a celebration in God, most people aren't feeling the celebration because of exhaustion. They're tired out by regret where they think the past equals the future and they relive the thing that torments them and prevents them the most, their past. Let me say this, the only hold the devil has on you is who you used to be. Someone needs to hear that. If you are in Christ, the scripture says you are a new creation. Touch the person. You might not look new, but you are new. Come on, slap them. Just give them a nudge. Give them a, come on, UFC... You are a new creation. You might not look it. You still might got gray hair. You might got a wrinkle. Come on. But you're a new creation. Other people are exhausted by resentment where they've continued to hold on to hurt rather than release it. And they wonder why healing doesn't happen. 61% of all cancer patients right now, according to the Mayo Clinic and cancer research, have unforgiveness issues. That's why they now call it forgiveness therapy, Dr. Stephen Stansfield, because they know that unforgiveness makes people sick and keep them that way. The only two things that can keep God from doing miracles in your life are unbelief, which is a posture, not of lack of faith, but a posture, I don't want this, I don't believe this. And unforgiveness, The only two things that can stop God flowing in my life or your life is unforgiveness. Come on, I refuse to forgive and I refuse to believe. But unforgiveness has a way of poisoning your perspective and your perspective on life is either your passport to your future or a prison from your past. Let me say that again. Why? Because your attitude and perspective determines the seasons that you enter and the ones that are close to you. Your attitude, not your ability, determines how fast you go and how far God can take you in your life. Most people that are very, very capable, they're anointed, they're equipped, they're even skilled. God can't get them into certain places because they have a critical spirit, they have a careful spirit, they don't have a God spirit where they're a courageous spirit. They don't want to take chances. They don't want to take risk. If you have no risk, you have no life. You got a near life experience. Come on. That attitude puts a clamp and a lid on what you're willing to do, who you can become, how much you can be a vessel to help other people live up in a down world and be valuable to people. But Jesus showed up at the celebration of life, and I believe there's no greater way to punish the devil than to show up. That doesn't mean everything feels good. That's why you'll hear me all the time say, you're never what you feel, you're always what you decide. You could feel fearful, depressed, angry, bitter, frustrated, elated. You could feel all those negative and some positive emotions by a matter of, come on, a couple different minutes determining by what you focus on, because whatever you focus on, you feel. That's why when Jesus was going to the cross, he didn't focus on the cross, he only focused on the resurrection. Jesus never talked about the cross without talking about the resurrection. Most people talk about what they're going through, not what they're going to, therefore they get stuck in a moment that they can't get out You feel that? Some just. How do I enjoy it? How do I enjoy it? How do I live this abundant life? How do I really live where I live in a state of celebration when everything's not good? Come on. There's records of over and over of people rejoicing in prison cells in the book of Acts. Rejoicing when times are tough. Hezekiah praising when he's outnumbered by armies. When they were surrounded and walking around walls that seemed too big to scale and be able to get into business and opportunity in Jericho. But when they began to praise and thank God, all of a sudden earthquakes happened. Things came down. There's something different about you when you miss make a decision that regardless of what I'm going through, I'm going to enjoy life and be full of gratefulness, full of praise, full of God is good. If I can't walk, I can see. If I can't see, come on, I can run. I might not have everybody to love me, but I have somebody that loves me. It would be wise for every one of us to inventory all the goodness of God over the last week. If you got 15 American dollars, you're in the 12% richest people in the world. Six, what? One million people died in the last five and a half days and you're still here. If you have a roof over your head, you're in the top 76% of the richest people on the planet. I can't believe we would sit down and sing a, a Christian worship song half way. I almost cussed. I almost went King James version real fast. I think that's why God uses me. He chooses foolish things to confound the wise. Things that are not to bring to thine. I tried to go to Bible school. I flunked out. I cussed too much. True story. And yet he gives me a platform. Crazy, huh? Things change when you make a decision, not based on condition, not based on feeling. I'm gonna enjoy my life. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Every day you have a chance to wake up in the morning like David wrote and penned in the scriptures in Psalm 118. You gotta read Psalm 118 every day for the next seven days. He says, this is a day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad, and he wrote it in a tight spot. What you do in a tight spot determines if it becomes bigger or if you stay in a tight spot. Why? Because breakthrough does not happen in your circumstance. It evolves out of your mentality and out of your spirit. God's able to do more than you ask or think or imagine by the power that works within you. You've got to give him something to work with, though. Right. We're to agree on something, it shall be done. If God agrees you're supposed to have an abundant life, but all that comes out of your mouth is how negative you're in partnership with your mouth, with an enemy that's seeking to destroy. Your voice has opened a door for the devil to pleat you, to destroy you, even though God's got designs to bless you and enrich you. Let me break something fast to you. Your voice is the address in the spirit world. Your speech center creates the dominion of your whole entire nervous system. The dominion of your nervous system and how you feel and constantly react is a result of your speech center and what comes out of your mouth. That's why the scripture will say, Proverbs 15, 23, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. By your innermost being, it rejoices when your lips speak prosperous, abundant things. Your faith becomes effectual, Philemon 1, 6, when you acknowledge every good thing in you in Christ Jesus. The enemy wants you to acknowledge every negative thing that's in you. Why? Because he's an accuser. So if you begin to acknowledge that you're in partnership, your mouth confession is made unto salvation, or it also, according to Jesus, Matthew twelve thirty seven, it sentences you to condemnation. So maybe you're waiting on God, and God's waiting for you to open your mouth because maybe there's a miracle in your mouth because Jesus actually said these very words. What you constantly say, Rex, is what you will receive. I'm not talking about name it, claim it, but I do believe if you don't name something, you ain't gonna claim it. You better name it, I'm going to have a great marriage. You better name, my kids will be mighty in the land. You better name, I'm not going to stay in a diagnosis. I'm not going to stay where I'm at. I'm not going to stay comfortable. I'm going to get stirred. If you don't name it, it ain't going to happen. Jesus is the high priest of your confession. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Let's go a little bit further. Hebrews 1, chapter 3. Let's flip it. Smack it up. Flip it. Here we go. Rub it down. Oh, no. I think it's a 90s hip-hop song, whatever. God upholds all things by the word of his power, not the power of his word. He upholds, which means creates and sustains all things by the word of his power. What does that mean? If, If it's by the power of God's word, God's word is only powerful when he speaks it. But if it's by the word of his power, the same power when he speaks it becomes activated when I speak it as his child that he has redeemed. The very same power, if Jesus was here and he was speaking it, is now alive when I begin to speak it, whether I'm in my home, whether you're in your car, whether you're in a church service, or whether you're in Taco Bell. Come on, somebody trying to get a chalupa and you feel depressed, come on. And you said, the Lord gives me a spirit of power, love and a sound mind, I'll enjoy the chalupa. When I went and spoke for the Pentagon, all kinds of access. At first they give you a fingerprint. You only have certain level of access by your fingerprint at certain levels of responsibility and power at the Pentagon. Only some people get into that level. The next level is they do an eye print because your eye print identifies you as different than 8 billion people in the world. But there's the highest level of access that they give authority and power to the government in the world of the United States. When Steve brought me in, Steve Haynes, and he said this, he said, only your voice print, they can activate you. It's only your voice print they will identify you that allows certain people that have been chosen and marked by their voice, it gives them access to certain power and privileges only when they use their voice. They could stand at the door all day using their fingerprint, using their eye print, but nothing lets them have the access to power and privileges till they use their voice and they're registered. When you you use your voice and begin to declare God's word. God's word. The Bible says you got a spirit of faith. Someone say, I got a spirit of faith. Someone slap the person next to you say, you got a spirit of faith. Believe you was up in T.D. Jake's church this morning. Say, I got a spirit of faith. The spirit of faith, the Bible says, I believe, therefore I speak. I believe. Someone say, I believe. God's word. Therefore, I speak it. God is as big as I allow him to be. That's a thought that might cramp you. Someone's like, I got a mental kink. I got a clink on my mind. Easy, where's the menudo? I don't think that's a hangover. He said something that cramped my style. God gave you a personality, you might as well use it. He'll hold you accountable for not using what He gave you. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 says, The angels came to deliver Daniel when he was in a really, really bad spot with all kinds of manipulation from the government. They tried to get him to stop praying. They tried to get him to stop talking about the Lord. They even gave him a demon named God. He refused to accept their diagnosis and identity. Come on. They tried to do very similar to what you're finding right now within the government system. But it said something. The angels of God, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, they did not come because of the prayers he prayed. They only came by the words that he spoke. That means angels only come to do God's word, not your will, God's will. You wanna know God's will? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Anybody who's seen Jesus has seen me. Anybody that's seen Jesus, seen the Father. You might have religious people tell you God doesn't heal today. Two-thirds of the gospel, everywhere Jesus went, he healed someone and never told them it wasn't God's plan. Mentally, emotionally, physically, he is the healer, whether a religious person says so or not. Everywhere he went through, he made things better. There was not lack, there was not shortage when Jesus showed up and walked in the room. People did not leave tormented when he was around, unless they wanted to. You're only as handicapped as you want to be. Why is that powerful? Think about that. The Bible, even the word voice print, the voice print of the scripture, if if I can help somebody here. How many of you have ever read the story about Jacob's ladder where he had a dream and angels went up and angels went down? And even references in the book of John chapter three says angels go up and down. It's interesting, it doesn't say they go down and they go up. They're on the earth waiting for assignments. Most of your angelic activity is protecting you but not creating for you. Because you give them no assignments. Wow. They only are activated when their voice activated. Many of you are facing giants. David did something wise when he ran at his giant. Never run out of your run at your giant with your mouth closed. He ran at his giant giants with his mouth open. Says, In the name of the Lord, I'll destroy you. In the name of the Lord, you'll come down. In the name of the Lord, you're not gonna destroy me. In the name of the Lord, I'm gonna change things. Some of you ought to look at your bank account. In the name of the Lord, things are going to change. You ought to look at your health or your your mental, your emotional state, your relationships. It's not going to stay stagnant. We're going to get our passion back. To your children, you're not going to be reading disabled. You're going to learn how to read. You're going to be a smart child. It might not look like a miracle now. It might look messy. But miracles sometimes come out of messy spots. Jesus put mud on a man's eyes and told him to go wash in a pool of Siloam. All he gave him was a word. Sometimes all you got is a word. Everybody probably tried to talk that man out of it, but he had a word from the living Jesus. Could you imagine a blind man walking, walking in the dark, but all he's got is the light of a word? Maybe that's why David said the word of God's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Sometimes all you got is a word, but one word from God is enough. Someone say, I got a word. Someone say, I got a word. I think I done messed my whole message up, but that's all right. Jesus showed up a celebration of life, but he made a decision that I'm gonna show up. He shows up at this pool. It was known for its miracle activity. It's called Bethesda. It means house of grace, the place of outpouring. But it only had miracle activity when it was stirred, not when it was just same or still or stagnant. The biggest killer in the world is not COVID, it's mosquitoes. I know that might mess up Dr. Fauci's whole f- spill on you, where he's tried to hypnotize you into believing all kinds of other stuff. That requires you to get another 10 vaccines. How do I know? I've been in Africa many, many times. I picked children up out of the out of the dump. I know what the biggest thing. It's not even AIDS. Biggest killer in the world is mosquitoes, but they're bred in stagnant waters. When they're not stirred, they collect mold which attracts disease. Come on. They become stagnant. When you look at your life, come on. When you start accepting things, moldy things, you become toxic. Come on somebody. You you start you become all toxic in your attitude, your atmosphere. Let me ask you, how stirred are you right now? If we were to take a scale of one to 10, how stirred are you towards your relationship with God? If you gain everything but you don't have that, what do you got? Come on, life is fast. We're all working against a clock, we don't know when that clock shifts. I mean, let's just talk straight. None of us know when that clock ends. Come on. But maybe that's why the Bible says, give us a heart of wisdom. Moses said it, David penned it in Psalm chapter 90, that we may understand the number of our days. So if we're numbering our days, we might live wisely, accurately, purposely, making the most of our opportunity, maximizing everything God gave me. So when I stand before him, he might not say, Rex, you did it all right. You did it all perfect. But I saw you gave it everything you had. You didn't hold back when you could have been pitiful you decided to be powerful when you could have been rejected you decided to use that rejection to turn it into right direction you did something with what i gave you where is the dreamer inside you is the dreamer stirred a life was only good or limited to the size of your dreams god's activity is only limited to the size of your dreams your dreams decide what's coming to you or if you don't even have something to reach before you, you die by what's behind you in fact, when your memories are bigger than your dreams, you're already dying. God looks at every generation for people to come and dream. Abraham, come outside of your tent, count the stars. I want to put a vision inside you till you conceive it on the inside. How are you going to produce it on the outside? God created you a dreamer. God created you a lover. What's holding back the best part of you? Who's starving for your love today? Because you decided life's all about, let's see what they do for me. Let's see how they how they meet my need. Why don't you trade your expectation for appreciation, and you'll watch the atmosphere of your relationships and the lover inside you. It'll shift it. When your expectation of people's high, but your appreciation's low, you're the one that suffers. Yep. You feel less, risk less, love less, give less, you live less, you have a near life experience. This is good stuff. Jesus approaches a like, dude, he's been there for 38 years at a pool. At seasons, the angel would go down, we read, and stir up those waters. How cool would that be, like if Michael and Gabriel showed up, like at a, come on, only at the North, come on, at, come on, at San Marcos campus. Someone's like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. Other people like, yeah, whatever, dude. You got more confidence in Denzel showing up on a screen than you do God in church. Because you condition God to being way up there and you way down here. You didn't hear the final words of Jesus. I'm with you always. He might have come to you right here standing next to a bald man, come on, in a Hugo Boss shirt that he's trying to speak some life into. It might not be the package that you like, but it's the vessel that he chose. He's trying to speak into you today. I'm with you. I'm with you. Could you imagine if he was trying to stir a pool here today? And that pool's not all a physical pool. It's on the inside of you. Because the kingdom of God doesn't come down. Jesus said it comes out. He said out of your belly, out of your innermost being, out of your heart. Someone say "My my heart. Stop waiting for a revival to come down. Let's have a revival come out. You're the revival you've been waiting on. I don't got to watch somebody else praise God. A revival happens when you start praising God, declaring who he is inside you, and have a revelation, not information, a revelation that Jesus is with me. He's with me when I'm weak and when I'm afraid. He's with me when I'm bold and I'm strong. He's with me when I'm praying and when I'm struggling. He's with me. You can't beat me. He's with me. He already beat everything that could beat me. Somebody got to hear that today. It's a prophetic word. He's already beat everything that could beat you. And he's with me. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I didn't give enough offerings. I sinned too many times, but he became my sin. He became my sickness. He became the cursed Rex. He took my condemnation. He let the Father exhaust his wrath that I deserve on him so that I can triumph in his grace. Grace is not a feeling. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus. Give the Lord a clap and a shout like you got energy. can I just tell you for real, it's a privilege to speak to you I hope you feel that I don't have a lot of energy I'm my own mind God made me this way I like being me I only discovered I liked myself when I learned how much he approved of me he doesn't approve of everything I do but he approves of me and that lets your personality come out I'm just shy BS you're believing a lie about you somebody put on you God don't make no shy people. You might not be as loud, but that don't mean you have to be I'm shy. That's what that doctor did. You wasn't shy when he spanked your assets when you came out of the womb. He spanked them and you shouted. And now your shout's at a whisper. Hello. Oh, man. Come on, man. Keep going. Shouting to God with a voice. To try. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. This could be cool. So he approaches the guy. He's been there for 38 years. And he goes, Yo, what a question. Jesus goes, Because questions convey respect. He mastered the art of communication. Questions are the answer. Why? Whatever you ask, you receive. Most of you ask yourself bad questions. Therefore, you live in a house of bad answers. Because thinking is asking and answering questions. Your mind can make a heaven out of hell or a hell out of heaven. You decide. Yeah, yeah. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You ask, why do they not appreciate me? Why don't they love me? Why don't they give me opportunity? Why don't they do this for me? Why don't they do that for me? How many of that puts you as a victim, and now you got a welfare spirit rather than a warfare spirit? Hello. And the devil wasn't even near you. You put yourself in that whole hell hole. Why aren't they showing me love? Why aren't they doing this for me? Why aren't they? How many know if you keep that as the primary question of your relationships, your relationship, why don't they respect me? Why don't they honor me? Why can't I make more money? Why is my, ba- my boss so freaking greedy? Why won't he do this? How many know that puts you as a victim state where now you're no longer using your faith and your power. You're focusing on something that can't help you, but just drain you and keep you stagnant rather than stirred. It steals from you. What have you changed your question? How can I use this? How can I heal here? How can I grow here? What if you came to church today and say, who can I bless today? Before you walk out of here, whether it's your first time or, or you've been here in a seasoned veteran, come on. And you walk out of here, who could I lift up here? Is there a young child here I can inspire here? Is there a kid I could tell them they're a champion to? And God could use my voice, not just a speaker on a platform, but I could become the voice of God to somebody today. How many know your experience would be a lot richer? Jesus said, hey, do you want to become well? Why did he ask a question of that to a guy 38 years and paralyzed? Because not everybody does. Because that would require someone to have to go back to work. I pulled a woman out of a wheelchair for the very first time in her life in Vancouver, Canada. Never stood and never walked one day in her life. I pulled her out, God healed her. I take a lot of risk. And as you can see in my work, you see God show up. It's happened in front of Mark Zuckerberg and his whole team at Facebook. Happened the other day in a business environment with all kinds of psychics and shamans. And in front of everybody, the Lord got to give me names of people in the room. And they would stand up and be able to call things out. And a woman in a traffic accident got healed in a business environment with about 800 business owners. For real? Why not? But I realized not everybody, I pulled this woman up and her mother kept saying, let her pray for her mind, pray for her mind. I'm like, I don't pray for her freaking mind. She had never walked. I want to see her walk. She took a step and it wasn't, she didn't get the full thing. I'm just telling you the truth. Some, instant, some miracles happen instantly, some gradually, but we're all working miracles if you're using faith. A miracle's not a miracle to God. It's a process of God that you work with your faith. Then God speeds up the process. That means when you're praising and it doesn't feel good, that doesn't mean a miracle's not in motion. Maybe you're one step. Come on, somebody. Because everybody, well, I I prayed, I didn't get it. I prayed, I didn't get the immediate thing. Maybe there's a miracle in motion that if you'd shut your mouth like God told Zachariah, I'm gonna mute you so you don't kill the miracle that I birthed in your wife, Elizabeth, because I got a John the Baptist coming out. I need you to shut up so I can get the miracle out flip rex don't kill your miracles the devil can't kill him only i can kill him if you get a revelation the devil can't kill god's dream only you can suffocate it and kill it do you want to get well and he gives his little victim story i have no man to help me jesus Hey, I've been here for 38 years. I got lit last night, nobody gave me menudo to get in. Come on, only Spanish people understand that, come on. You say you Spanish, kinda. Rexican the Mexican, don't get it twisted. He says, plus I miss all these other opportunities. Last week I was in Georgia doing a conference and there was a man and his woman, his wife brought him up. He's about a middle-aged man. Brought him up and he had to walk like this, in a big walker, a cane. He'd had an injury two years ago, and he stood there, and I looked at him and I said, "There were five steps to come up to the platform where I was." I go, "I need you to come up there." And he goes, "I can't. I didn't ask you if you could or you couldn't." And I said, "I want you to come up." He looked at his wife. I go, "I'll help you get up." See, sometimes when you're looking for your own miracle, you can miss helping somebody else get theirs. I said let me come down and I'll help you up come on give me your hand I'll walk with you but you still got to walk so he took steps people were all looking like super religious what's he going to do I go do you want to get well or do you like being this way because I realize not everyone wants to get healed They'd have to work. They'd have to go back. They'd have to start loving again, giving again. They'd have to forgive. They'd have to actually use their faith. A lot of stuff. They'd have to give up all their victim status. Come on. They'd have to go back. Not everybody wants to get healed. Jesus knew not everybody is determined to get well. The word earnest is determined in your mind. How bad do you want to step out of stuck? And I felt God say, grab the man's walker and throw it. Makes sense. I'm an educated man. I work hard at my craft. Rex, be stupid, throw the guy's walker. The miracle's in motion. I don't wanna throw the walker. What if I throw it and the guy can't move? What if you throw it and I make him move? What if you take away his crutch? Life without crutches. I grabbed that man's walker. And it wasn't a little throw either, Matt. I freaking went for it. I was a professional baseball player. I know how to throw a baseball. It ended up way over there, like on the other side, towards the cheap seats on that side. I threw it, and the guy looked at me like, what are you going to do? He goes, I can't feel my feet, and I can't feel my hands. I've not felt my legs for two years since the stroke. And I go, are you willing to try to take some steps? He goes, let's take steps. He took a step. He took a step, and it was all awkward. When you start walking into a new place, a new dimension of what God's calling you into, sometimes it's not... He took a step and step. All of a sudden, I was holding his hand. He goes, let go of my hand. He goes, I can feel my toes. I can feel my feet. I can feel my legs. I can feel my hands. He didn't know all the religious words. He goes, what did you do? What did you do? I can feel again. I can feel again. And he started running. His wife on the front row sat there and was like, come on, baby, go do your laps. He started running around the church man in the middle of Atlanta, Georgia, he got a moment where he stepped out of a place that was stuck. And he said, I'm going to step. I can't feel it, but I'm going to step. Faith is not in how you feel. It's how you step. Someone say, take a step. Someone say, take a step. Some of you are going to step to Christ today to be forgiven. Some of you are going to step today and receive healing today. Some of you take a step today and you're going to love again. You're gonna take a step for your marriage, a step for your children. Don't put a lid on your kids. Don't let San Marcos government school system raise your children. They're made in the image of the living God. Holy, worthy, beautiful. He says your children shall be mighty in the land. Don't let them be many in the land, weak in the land, powerless in the land. Not on our watch. It's a moment today to step in. That man, he never went back and picked up his cane. He left it there on that platform. Some of you today are gonna to let go of a crutch. You're gonna leave it here. You're gonna walk into a new place. Is there a man by the name of Andrew here? I'm on, oh my God, one minute over. Where's Andrew? Come here, Andrew, come here. Someone stand behind him. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna demonstrate that the works of the devil got defeated 2,000 years ago. Jesus meant when he said it's finished. Not it's still incomplete, it's finished. Nothing crazy is gonna happen to you, I promise. This isn't Christian TV, I love people. Love, put yourself on the line for people. You can't say you love people and be a watcher of people in pain. That's not really love. I can't BS myself and tell myself a belief system that's absolutely a lie. I can't say I love you and sit there you, watch you in pain and do nothing about it. Tell me that's love. That's the only thing going with you to heaven. Your faith only works on earth. Hope only works on earth, but what you do in love is the only thing that goes with you to heaven, honors you in heaven, and will be in heaven for eternity. That's why Jesus said, my followers will be known by their love. But faith only works through love. I don't want Andrew, I don't know Andrew, I've never met Andrew, I don't want Andrew to go away in pain. So I'm going to ask you to put yourself on the line for him. How are you going to do that? You're going to stretch your hands, you're going to pray for him. Well, I want to know what I'm praying for. Maybe I don't need to tell you but I can tell you this, you're not gonna end your life and I cancel that plan that's been against you for the last three months. I break Satan's power against you and I command that tormenting spirit, a tormenting spirit that comes out your great, beautiful heart and your beautiful mind. God's proud of you. God's proud of you. You're just what he wanted to make. You're just who he wanted to love and that's you. And today I break Satan's power over you. That cloud that you've lived under you're coming out from under and you're going to live on top of. Today's a turnaround day for you and it's a sign because there's about 12 other people in here. There's a woman in here. You've been contemplating suicide because of an abortion you had at 21 or 22 years of age and your conscience and subconscious has been tormented by that spirit of murder and God today is freeing you today. The Lord is freeing you today you're somewhere below. God is freeing you today he's bringing a creative miracle healing to your conscience and you're not going to end your life I see that arrow being broken against your mind today you're going to have a sound mind not because of a minister I came to declare that Jesus the living God who's alive from the grave he's freeing you in your conscience and subconscious today creative miracle healing over you Whew. breathe that in boom Whew. someone's here with stage four cancer, stage four cancer, stage four cancer, can you come up here? Can I pray for you? How you doing? I'm Rex. What's Gaming. your name? What's your name? Gaming, with a G. Gaming. Gaming. Can all these people pray for you and rally around you? Come on. I, you got a lot of life to live. You got a life. My, a friend of mine, Dave Woodward, who created ClickFunnels with Brunson, Russell Brunson, he had, he had brain cancer. We were on a Zoom call in stage four, Mormon man, but good man. And I re- remember the power of God going through that screen and healing him. And he got a clean bill of health. All the cancer cells had gone in remission. Stretch your hands and fight for this man for a minute. What if it was your faith that brought the miracle, not the minister? Jesus lives inside you. If this was your friend or your family member, you'd fight, wouldn't you? You'd be like, oh no, no, hell no, I'm not letting cancer take out. No, 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 Jesus is bigger than cancer. And what I love is he's a faith guy and his faith in Christ always wins. Lord, I thank you for your creative miracle healing presence. I pray, Lord, a creative miracle healing, even in the genes and the genetic lining and the code. I curse cancer against his body. I curse cancer. I curse the cancer cells, and Lord, I pray there will be a regeneration and a relining of all the cells in his body, and the oxidation, a creative supernatural oxidation, would starve every bit of cancer in his body. I thank you, Lord, for even going into the membrane of the cells, a creative miracle healing over his body. I forbid this cancer to take him out. It is written before heaven and earth and hell. Whatever as a believer in Jesus, the living God, whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. I bind you, Satan, and I break your power of infirmity against this man of faith. And as Jesus said to the woman of faith in Luke 13, loose her and let her go, I say this cancer loose this man and let him go. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth in his body. And I thank you now. Go through him. I break it today in Jesus' name. Be healed. Be healed. Shout. Go through his body. Thank you, Lord. Give the Lord a clap and a shout. I'm six minutes over and we got a shift. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, every eye closed, the greatest miracle that opens the door to anything. Jesus said, I'm the only way. Self-help is no help at all. Self-help is no help at all. Metaphysism will not get you there. Transcendental meditation will not get you there. Psychics won't get you there. They operate out of a second heaven, not the third heaven. But Jesus, the living God, who became sin for you, who only made you to love you, you're only as good as your connection to your source. A product is only as good as its maker. And God's inviting you back today to a relationship with your maker. You can never discover your potential as a dreamer, as a lover, as a leader, as a believer, as a man, as a woman, until you're connected back to your source. Jesus came to connect you back to the source. And what sin tried to do to you, he defeated it so he can rip that sin nature out of you and put his holy nature inside you so that you can live the abundant life that God promised you. If anybody wants that today, on the count of three, I close, out of respect for other people, just lift your hand. One, two, three, hands lifted now. Look at all those hands. Come on, awesome. Every person grab a hand with somebody to your left and right. It don't matter if they're green, they're pink, they're brown, they're black, they're white, they're Asian, they're, come on, we're a family. God made us all in his image. And you're going to pray after me, and if, only pray it if you mean it. If you don't mean it, don't pray it, because it'll mess with you if you do. Say, Jesus, I feel you in here. I respond to you, I need you, I want you, forgive me of all my sins. I choose to believe upon you, that you died and rose again, you're alive today. I need you to save me from my sins, sickness, and every work of the devil. I renounce the devil, I renounce condemnation, fear and hell. And I declare on the word of God that because I believe on Jesus, I am a child of God. Heaven is my home. God lives inside of me. I am a new creation. I am healed somebody, if you prayed that, it meant to squeeze the person's hand on your left and your right. And if somebody just squeezed your hand, lift their hand up high. Come on, give the Lord a clap and a
0: shout. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com